We'll look at trust. There are people that we entrust with our lives, or at least a very big part of. We entrust education and care of our children to teachers, to coaches. We entrust our retirement savings and our college funds to financial managers. We entrust the structural security and efficient operation of our homes to contractors, electricians, and plumbers. Firefighters, police, doctors, nurses, all professionals we entrust with our health and our safety. We trust these folks because they've demonstrated a sense of responsibility and competence, perhaps, in their fields. And maybe they've proven that they'll act in our interests. And there are many people who have entrusted some part of their lives to us, our employers, clients, friends, most important of all, probably our families. For many of you, your children, and maybe even now your children's children. It's no small thing to be entrusted as such. It means, in fact, putting aside our own interests to seek what is best for those who have placed their confidence in us. It begins, of course, by understanding and appreciating what they want to make of their lives and what their expectations are. To entrust some part of our lives to another requires on our part a letting go, a respecting of their expertise, the competence of another person, accepting the reality that some things will go wrong and even fail, and that nothing lasts forever, to accept the responsibility of taking on what someone entrusts to us requires patience and understanding and being ready and willing to say what they may not want to hear, but what they might have to do. Such trust, such commitment, I think is nothing less than something sacred. See, today on the Mount of the Ascension, Jesus entrusts to each of us his life, his gospel message, his promise of healing and of hope. He entrusts to you and to me his compassion, his power to forgive, and his love. Having given his life to reveal the love of God for all of us, he entrusts that same work to you and to me. He commissions each one of us. He says both, both in the writings of Luke, that first reading 
that Catherine did from the Acts of the Apostles, of course, written by Luke, the same whom we believe authored the Gospel of St. Luke. And he commissions us to be a witness, to somehow continue on his work with all of its risks and despite at times all of our own doubts, our own questions. See, the work of building the church, building a church of reconciliation and love requires a humility, a respect, a patience. It asks us to let go sometimes of our own interest and wants, that we might open up our hearts to change and to a willingness to cope with the change. See, in baptism, each and every Christian in every time and place takes on the role of witness that Jesus enacts in you and in me. In that first reading that we heard, one of my favorite, in fact, the reason the two angels are up towards the tabernacle today is because it speaks of the two dressed in white. In that wonderful line, men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking up into the sky? And I always think to myself, they were all looking up because he just told them, now everything that I began, now all of you must continue to do. And they're all looking up at the sky saying, don't you have a better plan than that? You're leaving it to us? You want us to continue what you did? You did miracles. You fed thousands of people. You touched and healed people who were sick and suffering. You forgave people their sins. You gave people hope. You want us to do that? And the answer is yes. He wants us to do that. And 2,000 years later, of course, we get to see what a great job we've done. But it can't stop us from trying. Two families are with us today with their children to make First Eucharist because they've witnessed to their children what they believe. With grandparents and family here, they continue what their families have believed and have done from one generation to the next. Not because it's all been done perfectly well or always done magnificently with great love or assurance, but because they simply want to give what they hold in their hearts. Isn't that why we're all here? To find the strength and the courage that we need so that this week on Monday or on Wednesday or on Friday and something's happening, we don't just stop and look up into the sky, but we ask God for the grace to do what we can. We get a phone call of someone who's just received a diagnosis and our first thought is, I don't even know what to say, but then somehow 
somehow just for a few moments we promise that person that we'll be with them and hope is found. And someone who comes to us and says their heart is broken, we might not have any words to speak, but we just reach out and we hold their hand, and somehow love is found. See, it's always in those moments of our faith that we want someone else to come in or we want God to come in with a magic wand and just wave it above us and change everything that we're experiencing. And yet you and I all know that doesn't happen. The kingdom becomes when one heart touches another heart when one person is willing to sit with another person, when one hopes and gives that hope to another, when a family teaches their children that they can open up their hands and reach out to God and God will come to them again and again and again and again. And when they don't know what to say, they only have to remember one word. Amen. Meaning I believe. And through these years of priesthood, More times than I could even count, I have thought I have no words to speak. I don't know what direction to move. But I sit in front of the crucifix and say, Amen. I believe you'll give me insight, God. I believe you'll give me wisdom. I believe you'll give me hope. I believe that somehow, even though I don't feel your presence, I know that you're here with me and I'm not alone. And Aria and Marco, that's what I give to you from my heart today. Not all the answers to all the hard questions that you'll have throughout your life, but because of the love of your families, you're here. And because of my love for God and my belief of how much God loves you, today I get to give you the greatest mystery in the whole world. I come to you and you make a throne with your hands, as St. Cyril of Jerusalem said in the year 400. You're going to receive the Lord, he said, then make a throne for Jesus who is the Prince of Peace and take him into your heart and take him into your life. And today, I get to put Jesus into your hands so that you can bring him into your life. And from today and for the rest of your life, know that you're not alone. God is right here with you.
And just like I do, anytime you're not sure, anytime you feel afraid, anytime you're just feeling a little unsure, just make that throne and reach out to the Lord Jesus. And he'll come to you again. And he'll love you again. And he'll forgive you again. And he'll give you hope. Again. See, you and I, we're called to be the witnesses, not only in the words that we speak, but in the quiet and in the simple, but no less powerful expressions of love and compassion that we echo on in the voice of Jesus. To one another. May we never grow tired of being witnesses to what we hold in our hearts. <laughs>